Well, listen, we're going to start a message series this morning. It's going to go, I don't know, for a couple weeks. And I'm excited about this. The message series is called Built to Last. Built to Last. And so I think I'm just going to begin by reading a few verses here out of 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we're just going to kind of work our way into this. We're going to plow some ground a little bit here this morning, kind of build the foundation of this thing that will prepare us for moving forward with some of the uh, other messages in the next week or two ahead. So in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul here is writing to Timothy. And there's there's one verse in particular that I'm going to pick out that we're going to really preach from, but I think you almost have to understand the whole context here of what's going on instead of just reading a single verse. So in verse 1, he says, I charge you, Timothy, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead (coughs) at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Oh, there's a message in that one right there. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. That speaks to our time today. But you be watchful, church, in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, fulfill your calling. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. So Paul's death is close, and somehow he has, God's given him the insight that this this time is approaching. And he says in verse 7, and this is the one that I want to hit on hard, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to uh, all who have loved his appearing. Father, we just thank you, God, for everything. So much to say, Lord. We just thank you for bringing a word to us in due season. Lord, I ask you just anoint me this morning to, to preach your truth and, and help us all to just hear a, a life-changing word that's going to impact us now and today and in our lives, and it's going to be relevant and timely for where we are in our nation. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, Paul, he says these words, you know, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Strong words here that he's using. And of course, we know that he's approaching the end of his years. He's, he's about ready to go on to be with Jesus. And, and he says with such boldness, such confidence, and just kind of like in my own words here, or, or layman's terms, he's saying, I, I, I finished strong, God. You know, I've given you all that I had. I took the fight to the enemy every day that I woke up and before my head hit the pillow. I gave it everything I had. He's saying, I I walked in faith every day. I I held your promises true. I held them close. And I demonstrated that authority in, in my life and those purposes that you had for me, those promises that you gave me. And he's saying that, I, you know, I, I finished the race, meaning I'm coming to the end and I've laid it all out there and I'm finishing strong. And I don't know about you, but this has always been one of those verses that's just grabbed me. I know I think this is my grandpa's favorite verse in the Bible. He said this many a times. And, and it's just like, I want to be able to say that too, don't you? 
to be able to say, I mean, I want God to say, hey, you finished strong. Man, you really did. You really gave it to the enemy every day. You really accomplished what I set you on this earth to accomplish. And you really finished strong. And what is it? What is it that about Paul's life? What is it that we can glean from, that we can see that he did or how he walked with God that allowed him to be able to go all the way to the end, almost seemingly getting progressively stronger as the day, as his physical body weakened and, and it just kind of got older and more frail probably. It seemed like the, the impact that he was making in the earth was just getting stronger and stronger and stronger, the things that he was doing for God, right? All the way up to the very end. And, and there's certainly people that we could, you know, look at and say, well, there's maybe like spurts of things, like they kind of get on a roll for a while and then sort of maybe slip back into this inactive stage or maybe just this kind of dormancy stage, right? But that's not what we see here from Paul's life. We see this life that's like just on the ascend constantly in terms of how he was walking in his purpose and the impact that he was making for God in the world. And uh, and if, I don't know, like we said, if, if you feel that same way that I do where you say, yes, I want to be able to say that, I finished strong, we say, okay, Lord, what is it, if that's what we want to be able to say, what is it that we're, you're calling us to do? How does that look? What can we learn from Paul here? Now, there's a little cartoon that, uh, from Disney. It's called Alice in Wonderland. Who's seen that? Alice in Wonderland. There's probably 500 different versions of it now out there. But there's this scene where, you know, Alice is kind of coming along, and she comes to, I think it's the rabbit, and uh, there's there's a fork in the road. There's two ways that she can go. And, uh, and the, the rabbit says, well, which way do you want to go? Or no, she says, well, which way am I supposed to go? And he's like, well, that depends. Where is it that you want to get to? And she's like, it doesn't really matter. He's like, then it doesn't really matter which way you go, right? I mean, there, if, you don't, if you're not interested in getting to a certain place, if that's not the goal, if that's not what you have your sight, sight set on, then it doesn't really matter which way you go. But if we say, yes, I want to be able to confess the way Paul confessed in my final hours, that I have fought the good fight and I've finished the race strong, then we need to be able to say, what is it that we need to walk in? How does our lives need to look on a daily basis so that when we get to that place, we can know that we'll be able to utter those same words too and be true and right before God before we get to go to be with him in eternity forever. So in this series, Built to Last, we're going to look at three different things. We're going to look at the foundation, and we're going to look at building daily, and then we're going to look at enduring. And I want you to think a lot about just the construction of a building as we go through this. Because when you look at a building, you see you see the overall structure, right? But underneath of every building is what? A foundation. And, and any builder will tell you that a building with a weak foundation or a foundation that isn't solid and strong, you show me a building that has a weak foundation, I'll show you a building that will not last, right? There's going to be problems. I don't care how fancy the walls look. I don't care how pretty the paint is inside. I don't care how well manicured the landscaping is on the outside. If the foundation that the whole thing rests upon is fragile, is cracked, is fractured, is weak, and it's not strong enough to hold that thing up, it's just a matter of time before everything comes crashing down, right? Now, buildings, when they're built very well, 
they they stand the test of time. You know, you can talk to different construction guys, and a lot of them will tell you this, that nowadays they don't build them like they used to kind of term, right? You look at a lot of buildings, especially over in Europe and stuff, those things are, what, thousands of years old and still standing strong. Does that amaze you? I mean, that amazes me, you know? And they were built on the right foundation. They were built with the right materials. The, the way they were constructed was done the proper way. And as a result, we see a building that has endured or has lasted through the test of time. And we're going to look at this scripture in, in uh, let's see, Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus talks a little bit about the parable of the wise builder. All right, and we're going to dig into this when it, in terms of how we're discussing the foundation that our lives ought to be built upon and in terms of how our lives and our calling, our purpose is one that will endure and last through our lifetime to be able to say at the end, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. So in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says, this is a parable, it says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Basically what he's, Jesus is doing here, this is at the end of chapter 7, is, he is he's concluding one of his most famous uh, speeches or sermons, what we what we are call it, the Sermon on the Mount, right? And this was actually began in chapter five, and if you read through your Bible in Matthew chapter five, and then six and seven. So there's basically three chapters here where Jesus is standing on the mountain and he's teaching some of the most amazing things that that we see in all the scriptures. And what he's doing is he's kind of taking the Old Testament law and he's unpacking it and he's bringing even greater revelation to these things that they've been living by for many, many years. And he's kind of raising the standards on everything. He's lifting it up on a higher, to a higher calling on things like being judgmental and adultery. I mean, he's just, he's laying these things out there and it's just astonishing people because he thought the law was tough, baby. What do you see these things that Jesus unpacks? But he ends it at the end and he says, whoever sees these, hears these words of mine, and obeys him is like one who builds his house on the rock. And I think this is amazing because what he really did here was he kind of just took all of that Old Testament law and he, and he made it apparent that nobody could keep that law. <laughs> he basically made it obvious that nobody could actually uphold all of these things and accomplish them and do right to earn any kind of righteousness or salvation. And But what he says at the end is he's saying, Look, I am the narrow way. I am the path. If you follow me, then you will receive eternal life. And then he says, you'll build your house on the rock if you will walk in the things that I have told you. So we know it's, it's, this isn't deep. 
that the rock is Christ. Jesus Christ is the rock that he's calling us to build our lives upon. He's saying that the, the revelation of the words that I'm speaking to you, this word right here, this truth, that if you will build your life upon these things, and it's not because you can earn them, it's because my spirit is going to empower you and enable you to be able to walk in these things, then no matter what happens in your life, no matter what comes against you, whether it's storms, different things like that, that you will, your life will stay standing and you will endure through all those tests and through all those trials. He says, you'll be a wise man if you build your house on the rock or woman, right? Who wants to be wise? I don't know about you, but I like that better than the alternative, which is what? A fool. Look at your neighbor say, don't be a fool. You know, when you study that out, it actually says to be moronic. So you, you could kind of say you're a moron if you don't understand this and do it, right? My kids are going to love that one later. All right. But. He summarizes it all and he says that, listen, everything has to begin from this base point of this foundation in your life that is all being built upon Christ as your Savior and the truth of his words. Everything that you do in your life has to just be constructed upwardly and uprightly off of that basis and that foundation. Right Now, I mentioned last week we were talking and I said a little bit about uh, how I used to play hockey and stuff, right? Those you here, and I was like, "Yeah, I made the travel team, the A team." Well, <laughs> so here's the deal. So Steve, uh, Steve and April, they go here. Steve plays in this men's hockey league, and he's like, "You ought to come out and play with us, you know, on Sunday nights. It's awesome." I'm like, ah, "Yeah, I'm just gonna get out there. I'm gonna just get on it, you know. I'm just gonna." I, and so I get all my old equipment out and everything. It's been 15 years since I've actually played, okay? I don't know what I was thinking. I had this idea that I was just going to get right out there and get on it and get after it. And as soon as I stepped on the ice, I could tell right away that my ankles were just too weak. And I didn't realize it, but when you played a lot, you know, you develop strength in areas and muscles that you might not normally get. And, and, and it was like all of a sudden I knew that my footing was compromised. And when you're on ice, that's everything. I don't care how hard of a shot you have. I don't care how good of a stick handler you are. If you've got weak footing and you can't stand up solid on your skates, you're in trouble. And that's what happened. It was pitiful. Like I was, I mean, Steve's not even here today. Obviously he's embarrassed enough. He left the church. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. It was bad. It was bad. <laughs> and so we have to realize that this, this house that he's talking about that we're building is our lives. It's everything about our lives through the years. A house has walls. It has different rooms. There, we're multifaceted people. We have different things, different gifts, different areas of responsibility. God is multifaceted too, and we're made in his image, so this is a beautiful thing. But the point is, is that all of the elements of our lives, our house, if you will, that are being built, must be constructed upon the solid foundation of Jesus Christ, meaning he's called us to it, he's gifted us to it, he's empowered us to carry it out, he's sustaining us through all the things we do, and ultimately we're doing it for him, of 
him, through him, and to him, the Bible says, right? So if we're to do things, we're to do them upon the rock of Christ. And if we do, it'll always be on solid ground. But the fool builds his house on the sand. And anytime anything happens, when it comes to being built on the sand, what does it do? It just implodes, it crumbles, it's fragile. It might look good, but as soon as there's pressure placed upon it, as soon as there's a little bit of tension and a little bit of difficulty, the sand shows itself out for what it really is, which is foolish and weakness and is never going to be able to stand the test of time. We went to Florida last year for my mother-in-law and father-in-law's wedding and we were on the beach and the kids had a blast right they were building those sand castles and making the different things on the and as soon as the water would come up it was like you know when the tide was rising and it hit it and all of a sudden it would just go away or better yet what they actually love to do and i don't know a kid that doesn't one kid builds it and what's the other one do they just can't help themselves right i mean it's like oh ah, and they just plow through it and knock it over and all it takes is one little kick from a little kid. It doesn't take a hard blow. And anything that's made with sand just falls apart. And look, I don't know, you know, somewhere along the line, guys, this is a reality is that we can, we can, we can manage to put things in place of what ought to be the foundation in our lives that we're building from. We could somehow manage, instead of making what God says, what Jesus says about who we are, what we're called to do, we can inadvertently allow other things in our lives to become the foundation from which we're building upon. Now, I'd submit to you that most of the time, this isn't an intentional thing for, for somebody that, is, uh, that loves Jesus, okay? But it happens. For example, sometimes people can actually place their career as the foundation of their world where it's like what their career is and their stature and their accomplishments and, and all of these things, that's what they build their life on top of. It, it gives them meaning and their identity when they should really be finding that in Christ. They feel accomplished. But if you pull that career out or it breaks down or something goes away, it's like the whole world, the whole life, the whole building starts to begin to fall. And they could, they could do that where they put their career in that place. Or, uh, you know, and you see that if, if something starts to threaten that, they become very protective and do things that would seem crazy in other instances, but very protective because they're holding on to that career and they don't want anything to happen because everything that they've built their lives around is resting on top of that thing. And there's this sense that everything's going to come crumbling down if it goes away. It can happen in relationships. We place a relationship. Maybe we find some sort of value in a relationship. It could even be with a spouse, you know, and you got to hear me. I mean, this is our relationship with our spouse. I mean, God's called us to, to something beautiful in that, and he has placed someone in our lives and, and yoked us together, right? But we are not meant to put a person in a place that is reserved for Jesus because a person isn't a rock. They can't withhold. You, you can't expect that from somebody. You can't put that pressure on somebody. They can't hold it up when the over time it will ultimately begin to fall. You can't ask somebody else to do that. Sometimes people will put wealth in that place because they have seemingly security, right? Whether it's wealth and riches and, and things like that. And, and understand, again, these aren't bad things. 
I believe God is wanting to bless us and give us that provision like we talked about today. But he's certainly not calling us to place our security in that thing and put wealth and riches as a foundation for which we build our lives upon. As soon as you see things happen, sometimes these real wealthy people lose everything. You know, some of them pick themselves up by the bootstraps and get going again. God bless them. But some of them just fall apart and implode. It's like their whole world comes crashing down. But if your joy and your happiness and your identity is found in Christ, it doesn't matter what things get pulled away, what things fall away. It might be something that you have to deal with, but it's not something that's going to cause your world to fall apart. Are you with me? Because you're resting upon the rock. And anytime something comes, whether it's that storm, that wind, whatever it might be, you're staying strong in your footing. You're staying solid on that foundation. And there's nothing about the integrity of the building, your life, that is compromised. Oh, hallelujah. How do people do unethical things when they love God? Sometimes pressure gets placed upon them. They've got the wrong thing down at the foundation and they desperately try to cling to it, try to keep that building up and they'll do anything and everything to make it happen. But slowly and surely you can count on it every time that thing is going to erode and fall apart and come, come crumbling down. Listen to this in Proverbs chapter 11. It says, he who trusts in his riches will fall. You can put anything else in there, guys, riches, other things besides Christ, trusting in and building upon them. You can put anything else in there and surely, certainly, ultimately, we will be setting ourselves up for a fall. Now, I just, I'm going to have to end here today and I'm, I'm, we'll, we'll pick back up with this next week. But listen, we need a foundation that will last forever. I talked a little bit about old buildings and everything else, and they're impressive, but the reality is they too will eventually fall apart because they're worldly, it's physical. But listen to this. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, it says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever eternally speaking folks there is nothing of which this can be said besides christ and the word of god nothing else could it be said will stand forever and if that is true which it is then that means we ought to make sure and certain that everything we're constructing in our lives, our careers, our relationships, our finances, our parenting, everything we're doing that we're constructing, we ought to be of the utmost, highest priority concern with what God has to say about that thing, what he's called us to, and how he's empowered us to be able to carry it out. Amen. Stand to your feet with me today. The grass withers, the flower fades. Careers wither, careers fade. Finances wither, finances fade. Easy come, easy go, right? Money here, money gone. It, it, everything is just a passing vaporous thing that cannot be said of the Word of God. It is a foundation that is solid rock. It is something that cannot be fractured. It cannot be broken down, and it most certainly cannot be destroyed. It is something that can hold up 
anything holds you up in anything and in everything that you would go through in your life. When he says here in the parable, he says that the storms will come. Listen to this. You know, storms certainly can be trials. We know that. They can be hard things, difficult things that for whatever reason come our way. You're going to know in those moments if you're on rock or not. You're just going to know because if you're not, your feet are going to start to sink. But can I tell you this? Storms, because it talks about the rain coming. You know, rain many times metaphorically means the blessings of God. This is an interesting thing the Lord showed me one time. He said, look, you need to look at this. as a, There's a twofold application here. It's not just the trials and the storms that come that people need to understand. They need to be resting upon the rock for. Get this. It's when I begin to pour out my blessings in my favor, hallelujah, upon them, the way that they're praying for me the way they're calling for me to. And I begin to pour out that favor, that abundance, that blessing, that provision, those opportunities, those relationships. As I begin to do that, it's like rain coming down. They better be resting their lives upon the rock and nothing else because it, the, the great, to he who much is given, much is required. And as those blessings begin to come and God expands our borders and our territories, we better make sure that we're still building our lives upon the rock or even blessings and even favor in provision, if we're putting it in the wrong place, can begin to marginalize the life that we're